foot book. I think because it was so short when they were learning to read, only 40 words. And if you remember, the last page of that book says, left foot, right foot, feet, feet, feet. Oh, how many feet we meet. And all the pictures are feet of different shapes and sizes and colors, a beautiful display of diversity. If you were to do a little research, you would find 51 references to feet in the Bible. 51, not even counting the words for foot, singular, heel, barefoot, footsteps, footprints, foothold, and footstool. And it's not surprising since everyone walked back then. And scholars have estimated that during Jesus' public ministry, he likely walked 3,125 miles with a grand total over his lifetime, I don't know how they figure this, of 21,525 miles. That's almost the equivalent of walking around the entire world. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Following Jesus' baptism and his time in the wilderness, we find this story of Jesus calling his disciples, each one called by name, each one given the invitation, come, follow me, and we see them answering by leaving everything, by following Jesus, taking steps over dusty roads, along lake shores, on rocky hills that made their feet dusty and dirty and tired, but they just kept going on. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And Martin Luther King Jr., whom we remembered and honored last week, heard God's call. He believed that the heels and the soles of his feet could heal the soul of the world, so he marched countless miles for peace, justice, and love, as did others. And in the African American Museum of History in Washington, D.C., you can see this galvanized tub that John Lewis gave to Martin Luther King, which he used to soak his weary feet following the five-day, 54-mile march from Selma to Montgomery. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news today. We're thinking together about discipleship, about orienting ourselves in a life of following God, a life of faith and trust proclaimed in the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. This is the kind of faith you can see clearly in Psalm 62, where God is called my rock, my salvation, my stronghold, my refuge, where faith is an identity, a rootedness, in God, a place to stand. And as we think about our own responses to the call of Jesus and our identities as disciples, which simply means learners or followers, one good place to look is your feet. Watch where your feet take you, even if these days that's not quite as far as it used to be. How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. In our gospel story today, Jesus emerges from the wilderness and he has good news to share. And the good news he has is that the reign of God has drawn near and in fact it has already begun. Like John before him, Jesus urges repentance, a reorientation of human life toward divine power and purpose. Our feet. Our feet determine not only where we stand, but the direction 
in which we are going. And when we talk about discipleship, whether or not we actually go anywhere, we think about symbolically where we are oriented, where our values and priorities are. Are we standing spiritually in a place where our trust rests in God? How do we see our discipleship lived out in the world? Keith referred earlier to our carbon footprint. That's part of our discipleship as Jesus followers, the footprint we are leaving on the environment and in this world on the very earth. We're standing in our place where our trust rests in God and we see clearly where we need to go in following Jesus. Or have we, have we turned our backs and stood aside and forgotten what it means to follow Jesus no matter what? Jesus begins his public ministry. It's just after the violent arrest and beheading of John the Baptist. And we know the outcome. We know where this is going. We know that Jesus will charge his own disciples to pick up their cross and follow. And that like Jesus and John before him, these Christ followers are to name and resist the savage forces of evil at work in the world. And they're to reorient their lives to the world's true Lord. We know that faithful living has consequences. Arrest, condemnation, even death, including the death of bias and prejudice, the death of privilege, the insistence, the death of insistence on our own way, on our ego, a turning away of idolatry of any material thing or any human being. And in spite of the consequences, Jesus preaches a simple sermon of ten words to four fishermen engaged in these mundane tasks and familiar distractions, and they turn their feet to follow. They reorient. And following Jesus is not just about private salvation, but about public vocation, how you're called out into the world, how you follow the footprint you leave and these men will become fishers of people. They will have personal transformation with public implications, a reorientation of life toward the purposes of God. We look at our feet. Where are we headed? Where are we standing? And what are we standing for? As we watch these disciples follow in Jesus' footsteps, we learn what it looks like to become fishers of people, to become bearers of good news, for the disciples will find themselves astounded by Jesus' teaching. They will witness Jesus rebuking evil spirits and healing the sick and cleansing lepers. They will lose track of Jesus and then search again until they find him. They will experience their lives unfolding and their feet shaking in the shadow of the arrest and execution of John the Baptist. And that's all in chapter 1 in Mark. This is a chapter which ends with a description of successful ministry. A man that Jesus healed who went out and wasn't supposed to, but started talking freely and spreading the news so that Jesus wasn't able to enter a town openly. But Jesus remained outside in deserted places. But people came to him from everywhere. All those feet headed to the wilderness looking for Jesus. 
friends, not only with our feet, but with our bodies and our souls, we've come through some storms. We've lost hundreds of thousands to the global pandemic, maybe even people you and I loved. We've seen the heartbreaking truth of racism tear us apart. We've been forced to face our divisions, our anger, our anxiety, our fear, and our hate. And we've had our sense of shared identity and safety attacked as never before in modern history. Catholic Archbishop Oscar Romero once said, there are many things that can only be seen through eyes that have cried. And we have cried. And like the disciples of Jesus that we are, we have learned and we have prayed and we have served and we have followed and wondered and we have changed. And in the midst of so much bad news, we still, despite it all, we, we still have our, our ears attuned for that whisper of something good, of, of some good news, of God's reign in our midst, of God, our stronghold, God, our refuge, God, our deliverer. In the words of African-American poet Nayira Wahid, I don't pay attention to the world ending. It has ended for me many times and began again in the morning. On this third Sunday after Epiphany, there is good news to proclaim. There is God's reign in this world, God's kingdom that has drawn near in the person and work of Jesus who calls us to repent, reorient our lives in light of it all, and to resist the evil at work in the world, to resist what deforms God's good creation, God's earth, to set our feet on higher places because in God's vision of life, hierarchies based on race and class and gender are washed away in the waters of baptism and we embrace human difference as a gift and not a threat. Oh, how many feet we meet. During the inauguration of President Joe Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris, there was that moment after the songs and the speeches when that young, beautiful poet laureate Amanda Gorman stepped up to the podium, carrying only her words, and to quote just a few of my many favorite lines of her poem, The Hill We Climb, she said, when day comes, we ask ourselves, where can we find light in this never-ending shade? The loss we carry, a sea we must wade. We've braved the belly of the beast, We've learned that quiet isn't always peace. In the norms and notions of what just is, isn't always justice. And yet, the dawn is ours before we knew it. Somehow we do it. Somehow we've weathered and witnessed a nation that isn't broken but simply unfinished. For those of us who claim to be disciples of Jesus, these are our words, too. We know, we know we are unfinished. We know we need to trust God in the midst of the chaos of this world and that that takes faith and perseverance. Following Christ when it would be easier not to takes courage and commitment. It takes showing up day by day, step by step, with humility and gratitude. Left foot, left foot, right foot, right. Feet in the morning, feet at night. 
How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Do you remember Moses standing by the burning bush when God says, remove the sandals from your feet, for you are standing on holy ground. Remember the psalmist in Psalm 42. God drew me up from the desolate pit out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. And Mary, who took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. How can we ever forget that the ground on which we stand is holy when we know Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. And much later, when the Apostle Paul said, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything to stand firm as shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. So today I'm going to ask you to do something I surely would not be asking you to do in person if you were here with me. I'm asking you to take off your shoes, if you're wearing them. You might not be wearing them at home. Take off your shoes. And to plant your feet firmly on the ground. This ground. This ground that is holy, not just for Moses. Not just for the preacher in the pulpit standing on a little stool so she can be seen. But for you, for your feet whether those feet are young or old or wearing socks with holes or bare and dirty or soft and clean, whether your feet are black or white or brown, look at your feet. Imagine where God is leading them, what holy ground they will traverse with the gospel of peace, where they will take their stand. And hear this blessing by St. Teresa of Avila, a Carmelite nun from the 1500s who said, Christ has no body now but yours. No hands, no feet on earth but yours. Yours are the eyes in which he looks compassion on the world. Yours are the feet with which he walks to do good. Yours are the hands through which he blesses all the world. Yours are the hands, yours are the feet Yours are the eyes. You are his body. Christ has no body now on earth but yours, but ours.